Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Hey, big news. We are moving off of Romans 8, verse 11. (laughs) I told you, I promised you, I told you that this week we would finally, after I think three weeks of camping, at least near the neighborhood and maybe right on the spot of Romans 8, 11, that we'd move on. So we're going to look at Romans 8, 12, and 13 here tonight. So, all right, so if there's a name for this podcast kind of like a scary movie, it would be The Curse of the Baby Brother. I think that would be the name of this podcast, The Curse of the Baby Brother. Cue spooky music in the background, all right? So most of you know, if not, I'm the baby brother. I'm the baby of six. Uh, My twin sister beat me by five minutes. And there is a 13-year gap between the first three, uh, Joanne and Linda and Brad, and then the next three, Michael, and then me and Pam. And so the, we, we're, we're a close family. We love, uh, just family is important to us. We get together as often as we can, usually fish fries and uh, whatever we can do to get together. One, uh, Linda lives in California. Uh, Joanne lives in Utah. And the rest of us all live uh, pretty close. I live in Corden, and then the other three live in E-Town, Kentucky, about an hour away. So we are able to get together, uh, at least the four of us, and then every now and then we'll have family vacations or uh, family reunions, and we'd get together and and celebrate. So as families, we're close, we love each other, and growing up, I didn't have the blessing of growing up with the first three, but I did have the blessing of growing up with me and with with my brother and my sister, my twin sister, Pam and Michael. So... We've talked a little bit about Pam. We're going to talk tonight about my brother, Mike. So I'm the baby brother. There's a curse to that. (laughs) I don't know how many baby siblings are listening, baby sisters or baby brothers. But for me, I I remember so many memories of me and Mike growing up. We We made a pretty awesome football tandem. He was Roger Staubach, the quarterback. He was always quarterback. Uh, he was always, you know, three years older. Uh, he had the stronger arm, but I loved to catch. I was always the catcher, so I was always Lynn Swan, all right, or John Stallworth. So I was my favorite football team star, and he was his favorite football team star. And, and we, so many times, you know, in backyard football games and neighborhood football games, we would have the winning route, you know, go, you know, go down, take a right, you know, post pattern, fly pattern, whatever. But basically, it just meant run like heck, run like the wind, catch what I throw, you know. And I remember my best catch ever. I mean, ESPN should have been there. Oh, my gosh. It would have made the top, easily made the top 10, maybe the top three. But in our backyard, uh, there was a pretty long backyard. And this was when, I don't know today if people burn trash as much anymore, but this was the time you know, back in the day where you'd burn trash. And so the, 
the fire pit, the, the, the trash pile, was the beginning of the end zone. So if I went, if we were able to go, so that was one of the markers for the, the end zone, right? And so we're talking like this is fourth down. If you remember backyard football, you had four downs to get a touchdown. Every now and then we'd switch up the rules and you had four time, you know, four downs to get a first down. And then you have four more downs, kind of like real football, but the, our backyard was not that long. So you had four downs to score. That was it. And so wherever you, you know, and it was touch or, you know, well, we played tackle. I don't remember too many times we played touch. We just played tackle. So, and it was fourth down. We had not gained a yard. We had not completed the pass. So Mike called for the bomb. You have to, you got to score, right? And Mike easily could get it down there. And I just, I had to catch it, right? So our play, our top play was you catch whatever I throw. That was the top play. And so we called the play and here I am. I'm, I'm, I take off, kind of juke and jive a little bit. But, you know, you can't juke and jive too much when everybody's lined up near the, the trash pit, the fire pit there, because the you know you have to score a touchdown. So here I am, I'm running, and I'm, I'm taking an angle toward the fire pit, kind of in the corner, and I see the ball flying in the air. I mean, he has launched that sucker, and I have to lay out for this ball. I have to, that means I leave my feet, and like in midair, my arms are stretched out, and I am, my, I am now perpendicular to the ground, okay? I am parallel, parallel to the ground. Yeah, parallel to the ground. And so as I am diving for the ball, I catch the ball, and I land right in the fire pit. And our daddy had just finished burning some trash just about an hour ago. Again, not a big deal. Fire may have been a little warm, except back in the day, before we realized we shouldn't and all that, we burnt milk cartons. Yep. I still have a scar on my left elbow where the milk carton plastic attached <laughs> to my elbow and just began to eat the skin. Okay. And I've, I've still got the scar. I can show it to you. I can take a picture and send it along with the podcast. But I'll, all I remember is I rolled right into that fire pit out through the fire pit into the end zone, scoring the touchdown. I remember it was my best catch in my all of my childhood life from uh, receiving that football pass from, from my brother Michael. So we had great fun, grew up together, hunted and fished together, and, and all the things that, that uh, brothers do now. Again, I was really close to my twin sister, of course, but you know, really close to, to Michael and so there was a sense. So here's here's where the curse of the baby brother comes in. So part of the curse is the fact that, you know, the curse that my older brother had to put up with me. That was one curse, okay? There's two sides of this coin now. Be, be careful here, right? There's two sides of this coin. We'll explain later. But the first side of the coin, I'll, it will be the curse of the baby brother that Mike had to put up with. Oh, I was an annoying little cuss. <laughs> I really was. I was a, whoo, I, I was, I, I poked a lot. I poked the bear. Let's just say I poked the bear. I still remember a fight that we had over a football game. I didn't talk to him forever and ever and ever. I'm in uh, after that fight. But 
Uh, one thing I remember specifically, I wish I could say I was six years old, seven years old. Guys, I, <laughs> I want to say I was 11, 12, or 13. It was at least old enough because I know Mike was dating. And Mike was on the phone with his girlfriend. And I remember this was a party line. All right. So Mike's on the phone, I guess upstairs maybe. I can't remember exactly where he was at, but I just remember I was downstairs and I could get onto the phone <laughs> and eavesdrop. And I did. And I remember, and I won't say the name of his girlfriend. I, I've not gotten a written consent <laughs> from her to protect the name of the guilty or the innocent. But I remember so clearly getting on that phone and listening in on the conversation more than once, more than once. One particular moment I remember, one specific moment I remember in particular, I was listening in and they caught me, right? And I just didn't even care at that point. I just became a jerk. <laughs> Again, I I don't know how old he was. He was had to be 15, right? Maybe even 16. So, and if he's 15, I'm 12, thir you know, 12, 13, obviously old enough to know better, but I was, I was I, the curse of the baby brother. I was a pain in the butt sometimes. I really was. I was a pain in the tail feathers. And so um, I remember talking to his girlfriend while on the phone. I think the conversation turned to roadkill, talking about um, how many, how much roadkill she saw. <laughs> When she came to visit here, I don't. I think that was one of the topic of conversations, and I know Michael was so mad, and like, get off the phone. <laughs> so anyway, but so that's that's one side. Yes, I was a pain in the <laughs> rear, big uh, baby brother. Sometimes I really was, and uh, poking and making fun and 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 pushing, pushing, pushing. And so, but. Let's look at the other side of the coin. <laughs> There's this one particular moment where, and see, I've always felt as a as a baby brother, I don't know if any baby siblings out there can say amen to this, you almost felt obligated. Like, for some reason, if, if, if your older sibling could keep you in debt of something, like they, they, ha they had something on you, or they, whatever it was, they say, well... I won't tell mama or daddy if you do my chores or, you know, I, you know, I knew you got in trouble at school, but you know, I'll keep it a secret, but now you're, you're going to do my chores for a year or whatever. So at times I felt in debt to my brother for whatever, I mean, probably a hundred different reasons, felt like I had to do what he said, felt obligated. Now, some of that was influence. Now, those, those are two pretty big words we're going to look at here, but I've, he was obviously a big influence and later on turned out he was a great influence to my Christian walk. He, he was one of the true uh, reasons that not only I came to Christ, but I grew in Christ. I'll speak to that here in just a moment. But so he was an influence. Yes. But, but he also, sometimes I felt obligated this one particular moment. He had this bright idea. Oh, I remember this. Oh, so clearly. All right. I, this, this is like, <laughs> I can, Testify to this one with with no with almost no uh, doubt at all about the details. So I want to say he's thirteen. 
and I'm 10 maybe, maybe 9, 12, but let's go 9, 12 or 10, 13. And maybe 14, 11, but I'm kind of, I'm going to land on 13 and 10. So he's 13 um, and I'm 10. And he has this bright idea. Now, we lived on Helm Street in E-Town, Kentucky. Pretty sleepy little, you know, kind of, it's in the right downtown E-Town kind of, but also we had a big garden and backed up to an alley, which went to some woods where we ran our beagle dogs. And, and so it was kind of rural, but, but still kind of a, a, a neighborhood. And so not a ton, a ton of traffic all the time. And it was an older street, you know, older neighborhood, older, older residents but he said hey got a great idea <laughs> i'm guessing this was i think it was summer i'm not exactly sure the timing of it but i do remember it, <laughs> what happened hey great practical joke great prank lay in the road with your bike on top of you as if you've had a really bad accident like lay there like you're unconscious and see if anybody stops <laughs> what possessed me to say, ooh, good idea, Michael. I don't know. That's where I felt this obligation. There's sometimes I felt indebted that if he had this idea, we need to do it, right? Because he's the older brother. You know, we're going to follow the older brother. You know, if he has an idea, let's do it. We felt, I felt obligated to follow Michael. If, if Michael said, let's do it, there are many times I felt obligated to do it. So, and again, we'll talk about influence here in just a few minutes. So, it's on. The prank is on. So, I've got my little two-wheel, you know, swing, uh, just a regular old, old-fashioned pedal as hard as you can. Brake, you know, the boy, you know, you, how you brake. There's no handbrake. This is just good old-fashioned. Put the heel down and slot and skid. Leave as many, leave as long of a skid mark as you can. Amen. Come on. And so, so here we are. I'm, I'm riding, I guess, and I don't know how if I even rode and tried to skid, but I do remember laying down on the middle of Helm Street, right in front of 314, which is where we live. 314, right there, and, and the bike is on top of me, and I'm thinking, yeah, hey, this could be fun. <laughs> Michael at the time was hiding behind either the we had a we had two big snowball what we call snowball bushes and he would use i think he was hiding behind those or just on this side of the house uh, behind the there's some columns there and he was behind the kind of to the side of the porch but he's i know he was hiding watching to see it wasn't i don't even know if it was five minutes maybe no longer than 10 and sure enough this this woman I hear the car, I'm lying in the middle, right, like, right, and maybe not right smack dab in the middle, but right near the, you know, it's on the edge of the gravel, uh, before the sidewalk, the gravel, and the road, but I was in the road, she pulls over, she gets out, I remember her like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and she's, are you okay, honey, are you okay, and we had not talked about the exit plan, <laughs> we had not talked about, okay, what happens if someone stops? That was not part of the plan. We had not discussed that. Michael, we had not discussed that. So I just like, I get up, like, I get up and like ride off or kind of take the bike, start moving, you know, start walking the bike. And she is furious. She immediately knows I was messing around and kidding. 
And I look up and I see Mike. <laughs> I see the back side of Mike. He's out. He's out of the picture. This woman grabbed my bike and she said, young man, where do you live? Young man. And I don't know what possessed me, but I actually pointed to the house. <laughs> I mean, I, at that point, you know, that would have been a good time not to tell the truth. If there's ever been time, you know, uh, I don't live in this neighborhood. Nope. I pointed right to the house, walked up to the house. Oh my gosh. Mom, I got mad. I got into trouble. And uh, Mike, <laughs> he's, he's nowhere to be found. I don't think I even squealed on Mike. I think I felt this obligation still that, that, that I was indebted somehow to my older brother. I wasn't going to squeal. I was, it was kind of a brother honor thing, you know. I don't think he got into trouble for that because I don't think I told him. <laughs> so anyway, just moments, you know, where you just appreciate growing up with your siblings, even if they got you in trouble, <laughs> even if they came up with some crazy idea. Hey, Timmy, lay in the, lay in the road with your bike on top of you, acting like you're hurt. Anyway, so here we go. Romans 8, and this will connect, I think. The dots will connect. Romans 8, 12 and 13. Let's, let's move on from verse 11, right? But here's, you know, we talk about the curse of the baby brother, and there's two words that I, I, we kind of fixated on. One is obligated or obligation or maybe even debt, indebted. And then the other one is influence. Um, we'll come to that in just a few minutes. But first, this first word in verse 12, therefore... Dear brothers and sisters, you have no, there it is, obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So at that point, uh, we, we got to take all of Romans 6 and all of Romans 7 now, and it almost feels like the whole weight of those two chapters are right here. Based on the first part of chapter 8, especially verse 11, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. But sin is dead. The power of sin is dead. You wrestle with what you should do, what you should not do. What, I don't want to do what I do, and I don't. I do do what I don't want to do. But this obligation, when you look at the Greek, the word is indebted. There's that word we talked about. Feeling sometimes indebted to your older sibling. You had to do what he said, or you had to follow. You had to. You felt obligated. You know, to, I felt obligated somehow. Not to turn them in, not to squeal on them when when I was getting my bike impounded, I guess. I don't even know what happened. I can't remember the punishment. I got in trouble so many times as a kid. I sure can't keep track of one punishment. But this obligation word is a really strong word of feeling indebted to sin. So it, what Paul is saying here to the, to the believers, brothers and sisters, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you now have no debt to sin. You don't owe sin anything. Why? The debt has been paid, amen, through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit, who now lives in you, is supposed to remind you of that. It's supposed to lead you out of that debt. You know, Scripture tells us the only debt to have is the debt of love. We are to love. We are to share that love and show that love that we've been given. Now we are indebted to that love. God loved us first, right? And so because we're indebted to that love, now we show other people love. But this is the only obligation we should have. There should be no other obligation. Certainly not obligation to the sinful nature. And certainly not what the sinful nature urges us to do. Okay, So there's that first word. But then we look at the word influence. Now, you'll, it'll, it'll be hidden in one of these words. But, but your, one translation may actually have that word. But in verse 13, it says, For if you live by its dictates, that's the word that means influence. When you look at the Greek, it means influence. And again, some of your translations may have that. 
But if, for if you live by its influence, you will die. Oh, but if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your flesh, your sinful nature, you will live. And that really is the, the, almost the, the, the whole of Romans 6 caught up with a little bit of Romans 8 already. This is what this means, is, is we have the power not to live by the influence of our flesh. We, don't, we have the power because why? Because the Holy Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of God, lives in us, giving us all the power we need not to live to the influence of sin. So let me give you the positive spin of influence as we wrap up. So I live my life, uh, again, many of you know, I came to Christ when I was 33, 34 years old, you know, one day shy of my 34th birthday. And my brother, Mike, was at a Promise Keepers meeting with me, a Promise Keepers event with me in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we shared a room together that Friday night, cried and wept, and, 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 and I kept them up all night, I'm sure. But afterward, I began to finally read the Bible for the first time in my life. Some of you have heard me share this, but uh, praise God for a good Baptist-believing, the uh, Word of God-believing, blood of Jesus-bought Baptist brother like Michael, who was already saved and a Christian by then for, uh, for quite some time. But I would call him, and I would call him on a rotary dial phone, right? I would, I've shared this story before, but I would... That was zero, you know. So this, I would... I would call him multiple times. I would come across something in, in my reading of the Bible. I would come across this crazy story of donkeys talking. And I would call Michael and said, Mike, this is not true, is it? He said, yeah. <laughs> I would come across stories in the Old Testament that were just fantastical. Like, there's no way. I'd call him. Yep. I would call him with questions of theology in the New Testament. I would call him about, uh, what does this mean? How is this possible? And praise God, again, for not only a Bible-believing, blood-bought, but spirit-filled brother, because he shared with me about the impossibility of, 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 of made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, the impossibility of things, of living life, by the power, made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he shared that with me. And I was influenced, listen, influenced. Much of my Christian life was dictated by his influence early, early on. I've got so many people that prayed me into salvation, including my wife, including my twin sister, and including my brother. But it was my brother I kept asking questions to. And, and yes, I would go to seminary and, and be trained and, and, and truly be sharpened by, by all the incredible people at Asbury. But, but for this particular moment, I, I cannot think of anyone who had a greater influence on my life than my brother Mike, who answered questions and who just simply pointed to the word and who just sometimes simply said, yes. Is this possible, Mike? Yes. Is this true, Mike? Yes. So, and this is what, so this is the negative of the influence. If you live by the influence of sin, the dictates, you will die. But if you turn that around, if you live by the influence of the Holy Spirit, you will live. If you live by the influence, so I, I, we, just today I want to encourage you and challenge you. What do you feel obligated toward? Do you feel obligated to your flesh, to sinful desires, to, 
to sinful choices? Do you feel obligated somehow? Do you even feel obligated to serve God and His kingdom? Then that would be legalism. Is there an obligation? Or is there simply you are being influenced now by the Holy Spirit? See, an obligation carries this burden, carries this debt, right? And you are in debt. I'm in debt. If we're saved, we're in debt. But only to the power of love. That's it. We're free of all other debt. But I wonder, are we being influenced rightly by the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we being influenced and, and allowing the dictates of the Holy Spirit to guide our thinking and our actions? Are we allowing the, the, the very presence of the Holy Spirit within us? Romans, 12, Romans 8, 12, and 13 are absolutely hinged to 8, 11. We've moved on from 8, 11, but it, we can't leave it behind because it now connects 12 and 13. Without Romans 8, 11, you and I will be obligated and dead, indebted to sin. Because Romans 8, 11 is true, we now live under the influence of that same Holy Spirit. Wow. Praise God. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.